Despite what beautiful, glossy social media and advertisers would have us believe, making it through life's challenges is not summed up in five easy steps. And we don't find peace in the storms of life from a handbag, face cream, or the latest sneakers. Life is challenging. And sometimes life is stage four metastatic cancer challenging. So how do we make it through all that life throws at us? Hi, I'm Jane Jalon, and I have had the privilege, honor, and blessing of working with cancer patients since 2011 as the palliative care chaplain at Yale New Haven Hospital. As I have listened to patients over the years process their living, dying, healing, and not healing, I have been struck again and again by the profound spiritual insights and resilience that have surfaced in our meetings, and I've often thought that these incredible nuggets of truth should not be for my ears alone, but instead should be offered to the world. Now I know that cancer patients often hear that they are an inspiration. They're so brave and so strong. And for most patients, this is the last thing they wanna hear as they're crawling into bed exhausted after just a walk around the block. But I also know that you do not need to be a published best-selling author You do not need an alphabet of degrees after your name. You do not need a fancy job title or a million followers on Instagram to have a profound, unique, and important perspective on life and how to survive and even how to thrive in the midst of it all. The patients, caregivers, and clinicians that you will hear from have been through it all, supported it all, and seen it all. The stories, interviews, and voices you will hear in this podcast will change you. They've changed me, and I have watched as they've changed others. So get ready to laugh, cry, and be moved to a deeper place. Get ready to find a way forward. Welcome to In the Midst of It All. Oh my gosh, I am so, so, so excited to welcome our guest, Hope Pelkey, today. I met Hope years ago in our palliative care clinic when she was in the throes of treatment. As soon as Hope began to tell me a little of her story, I was so amazed. Hope has been through a lot in life, and yet from a very young age, she has had this deep sense that God has got her. She has seen how God has helped her out of so many sticky situations, and so in turn, Hope has helped so, so many people in big ways without any stress, resentment, or desire for anything in return. Hope gives freely and abundantly. Hope is Christian, and those of us who know her well call her a street pastor, (laughs) because she's not only helped her friends and neighbors, but she's also helped kids on the street, all while being very street savvy and aware. You might get a ride or an ice cream from Hope, but you can't pull one over on her either. Hope is straightforward, fierce in her faith, and hilarious. I don't think I have ever had a conversation with Hope where I'm not laughing at one point and then encouraged in my faith at another point. Hope, it's so awesome to have you with us today. Thanks. Nice to be here. Welcome. Welcome to the podcast. (laughs) So, um, So, Hope, I thought we could start by you telling us a little bit about yourself, about growing up, about the Rogers. Okay. Well, I grew up in the foster care system in Connecticut and uh, was living not a great life. I was like one and a half, almost two. And uh, I was put into foster care, and I ended up with the Rogers, who were these amazing people. Mm-hmm. And um, they taught me about God and brought us to church. And so at a young age, I knew about God. And as I grew up with the Rogers, I learned more and more about God because my mother's faith was very strong. So it turned my faith into getting stronger because I understood mm-hmm. more as I got older. Yeah. So the Rogers were just like everything. They taught me everything. And I had two amazing sisters, Karen and Pam, and those are my sisters to forever. And um, that was about it. And then my um, foster dad caught, had phobitis in his leg, so uh, 
I had to, uh, they needed to go to Florida and they tried to adopt me, but they couldn't, my mother wouldn't give up any rights to me, so they had to leave for Florida and I had to go back into foster care, but my dad ended up taking me in Texas mm-hmm. and I lived with him for a while, but with about a year, he passed too, so yeah, came back to Connecticut and ended up in uh, different foster homes. And then ended up with my real mother. So um, that's pretty much what my story is about. Yeah. is about growing up and, you know, but I always had God by my side because I was taught that. So mm-hmm. it was never, a, I was alone. I was, I always had God, you know, I had somebody to talk to. Yeah, yeah. You had, you've told me too, you had this real sense that God is with you in the sense that like God is is there to protect you to guard you God's got you you oh, have absolutely. a real sense of that oh, yeah absolutely it's almost like I don't want prayers because I have that connection I feel with him mm. but you know prayers are everything yeah yeah but you know if I didn't have God I don't know where I'd be my friends were a little more rougher I was in high school I lived with my mother who Ended up pretty much kicking me out, so I was homeless in high school, but uh, right. up in Vermont. But I did graduate because I slept on couches where bands were playing, and I had teachers that would let me sleep on their spare room, and you know everybody that kind of looked out. But I always felt that was God looking out for me. Yeah. So I had that presence. Yeah, yeah, you had that sense of God with you through all of that, and. You know, being homeless in, in high school, especially going through all that you had already gone through. I mean, you, so you had been moved into foster care. Then you went with your dad in Texas who died, and you were with him through all of that. Um, and then to come back and be, you know, couch surfing. And yet you still found a way to get up and go to high school every morning and to do your homework. It's so incredible. Can you share a little bit more about how you did that, especially for folks who might be going through something similar? Well, I didn't do it that great, you know, um, because I didn't have any guidance in school. I don't think I um, studied or really kept that strong, just enough to to glaze by. Mm -hmm. Um, Because then it was to get to—I would work after I got out of school, and I would go— wash dishes in a uh, restaurant, and then I'd run across the street, and I'd wash dishes in another restaurant. And, wow. And then I'd find a place to sleep. And I had a lot of friends, which were really great, and not really kids in the school. They were more adults mm-hmm. that would uh, let me crash on their spare rooms or their couches or, you know, wherever I could find. But, you know, but I always felt like God was present. It was, you know, dangers were doable. Mm-hmm. Because I had God with me, and I graduated from high school, and That's amazing. Then I came back to Connecticut, and my sister Karen took me in mm. and helped me get a job, and that's where the the work kind of just started going. And if it wasn't for Karen, I don't know where I'd be, but you know, mm. but that was my sister. That's who I grew up with, and that's all I knew. Mm-hmm. And she was amazing, so. Yeah. Yeah. So that, she was a big help. Yeah. And it was hard because the poor girl just had gotten married, and uh, they were in the process of building this, this, fixing this little house of theirs that they bought on the lake. Yeah. But they were always there for me. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. You, you talk so highly of, of the Rogers and how they've, meant so much to you and done so much for you. And you were with them for about eight years or 10 no, years? No, almost 11. I think almost I left 11. at 13, wow. almost 14. Oh, wow. Yeah, 13, I think. Almost okay. 13. Almost 13, I think. Yeah. So how did they instill this faith in you? How was that? What was it like to be, be my, with them? And My mother was totally, uh, totally... At church, totally having church in her house. Total, she was just ministering all the time. She was just, yeah. she was amazing. And so my father was too. 
you know, my father was a father. Mm. And, you know, my cousins were my cousins. And, you know, I didn't even know I was foster. Mm, wow. And yeah. they, they, um, they also took my sister Patty because my sister Patty had gone to another foster home, but um, she wasn't working out there. She had seen too much. You know, mm. I, I was two. She was probably four mm. and a half. Mm. So she saw too much and understood too much. So when she came to where I was living, life was very good. And uh, she was at a point where if you touched me or I, if I called the woman mommy, she would say, that's not your mommy. Don't. So it was kind of rough. And my mm-hmm. poor sister Patty just saw too much and knew too much at, at such a baby age. Yeah. And, yeah. And she moved on. She wanted to go somewhere else. And, you know, at five years old and sadly enough, and six years old, you know, you've seen too much. Things are different for you. Mm, yeah. So she um, ended up in, I ended up catching back up with her when I went to Texas with my father. My my dad had ended up taking in Patty. Okay. So that was nice. And I ended up uh, catching back up with her when I went to Texas. Nice. But me and her were the tightest. Like um, the first day she came to live with the Rogers, I was in a crib, mm. and she had a twin bed across from me. Mm. So, uh, you know, my mother always put it this way that, you know, it's almost like you could tell your kids aren't covered. So she got up in the middle of the night to check on me and Patty to see how we were. Mm. She looked at Patty's bed, and she was like, wow, the little girl's not there. Where'd she go? And uh, she looked over at my crib, and there she was. Oh, wow. Right there with you. Yeah. Yeah. Where she felt safe. Yeah. Yeah. So you've had some incredible people in your life. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, the Rogers, their two daughters, Karen and Pam, your sister, Patty. Um, And you, you know, as I said, too, introducing you, you, you kind of, my sense of you is like you... You know the love of God and the love of these folks around you, and you take that, and then you give to everyone. Like, everyone who meets you is, you know, can benefit from you. You you, you um, tend to help wherever you possibly can. Um, and I know you have some, like, really incredible stories um, <laughs> of how you've helped some people, including, like, kids on the street and neighbors. Would you mind sharing a little bit about those stories? Well, I don't find it as helping. I, you know, a lot of people help me. So mm, when you can, yeah. you know, give back, it's just, that's just the way it is in life. You have to give back. And I've almost found out the poorest people in the world are the ones that will give you the most. And mm. so um, I was, my brother and sister had both just passed away three months apart from cancer. And my, bro- my brother lived with me, my sister lived behind me. Mm. So that was kind of heavy. So I yeah. went and hung out at a friend's store, and uh, this young kid came in, and he only looked like he was 14, but he was 16, and my friend hired him to work there. So one night when we were locking up the store, I uh, got in my truck, and it was snow out, so I was letting him warm up, and I see him. He walks around the corner of the building. It was like, huh? So I drove my truck around the corner of the building, and I said to him, do you have a place to stay? are you homeless? Mm. And he said, yeah, I'm homeless. Mm. So I said, listen, I'll take you home to my house. I says, uh, I got it downstairs you can stay in. I said, but if you're a freak or anything, I'm going to throw you off the porch. (laughs) And he looked at me with this little 14-year-old looking face and said, you won't have to throw me off the porch. Mm -hmm. So uh, he ended up working and finding jobs wherever he could, and he went to school and he graduated. And... uh, He's been living in South Carolina for for a while, mm. and uh, he's going to come back. And I told him, you know, if you want to, you can stay with me until you find a job that suits you, and be a pleasure to have somebody hanging with us. Yeah. And, uh, so that's that's a good thing. Yeah, that's amazing. Because I have no kids or anything, so when these guys pop up, it's it's pretty cool. Yeah. And um, when I lived in the projects. Uh, there used to be a beautiful lady, and she had a whole bunch of uh, grandkids. And her daughter would go on, like, missions, they would call it. 
not good missions. So um, she was stuck with this, not stuck, she loved these kids. Um, she had about seven of them with her, and the youngest probably about mm -hmm. six or seven months, and the second would be about two, and the third would be about four. So I would take the three youngest and bring them over to where I stayed, and I would take them to Walmart, and we'd hang out, and I did Christmas and stuff with that at work. I'd mm -hmm. have friends donate money so we could buy them bikes and stuff. Aww. But it was harder because, you know, you had the older kids, but there was another couple that was coming, and they were bringing gifts for everybody. And I used to uh, pull up and uh, see the kids at the ice cream machine, ice cream uh, truck, and I'd stop, and I had gotten my paycheck, so I'd buy everybody an ice cream. So one time wow. around Christmas, I was uh, walking out, and it was getting dark, and I had packages in both hands, and I could see somebody in the right of my corner of my eye following me and it was dark and I was saying to myself I'm going to get jacked but that's okay just calm down relax mm -hmm. take mm -hmm. take it how it's going to go and you yeah. know give him the keys let him do what he got to do and I was trying to get the key in my car real quick and he ran up on me he goes I just want to give you a hug he says you might not remember me but you bought me ice creams oh wow so, yeah so it all comes back at you yeah yeah all those memories too, well, all the love, too, because you gave love, yeah. and then they come back and they give you love back. Yeah, you yeah. Know, what I thought was going to be a bad situation came out to be a great situation. Right, right, right. Yeah. But that's just something that you do from the heart, because mm -hmm. you, you were that kid, and my parents made sure that I had an ice cream, so I wanted mm. to make sure they did, too. Yeah, yeah. And I took them all to the drive-ins one time. Nice. I hit him in the back. I had a van, and I hit everybody in the back of the van, and we went in. I had about 15 kids with me, and uh, we sat and watched their first drive-in movie. Mm. And uh, to this day, that's all they talk to me about. Do you remember <laughs> wow. how we were all packed in that? Yeah, you know, you, yeah. You did what you could do to make somebody's life a little better. Yeah, yeah. And I enjoyed it just as much as they did. Yeah, yeah. It made it made such an impression on them that they'll never forget. Clearly, but that's what the Rogers awesome. did to me. Yeah. So yeah. you have to give it to you know. I wouldn't be this way if it wasn't for the Rogers. So mm -hmm. that's why the give back is such an honor because it's what they taught mm -hmm. me. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. And it's just it's like in your bones too. I mean, so you're um, a part of this group, this prayer group that um, I run with palliative care patients, um, and we pray together and talk and laugh, and you're always happy to help people, too. If someone, you know, has a ride issue or anything like that, you're like the first one to chime in and say, hey, hey, if you need anything, you just let me know. Um, and people really take you up on it. Yeah, you do as best as you can. You can't yeah. get burnt out on it, you know. Mm -hmm, Sometimes you true. do. You feel like you're on the dark side. Mm -hmm. And when you do, you have to grab the Bible and you have to start reading and pull yourself into the light. Mm -hmm. And it, it helps you out a lot. It brings brings you back to where you need to be. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's if I didn't have that, I, you know, you'd be by yourself. When I go into uh, operations, the first thing I say is it's just me and you. Mm -hmm. God, yeah. and, you know, here we go, and you know, like I an trust you, room. and yeah, yeah, I say my prayers, and I trust you, and yeah. whatever your decisions are, and so you, you just, I've run my life that way, right? I'm not really one that likes to know the seriousness of everything that's going on because I've watched uh, my sister die of cancer, I watched my brother die of cancer, right, right. And it seemed like they died the day they were told that they were dying. Mm. They stayed up in their rooms. They, you know, mm. where I just, I don't, I don't want to know. You know, God will take me when God takes me. And that's the way it is. My faith is that good. I, I don't have to stress it. It is what yeah. it is. I do yeah. stress it, you know, I, like any normal person, but it's a little easier when you know you have God on your side. Yeah. It's a lot easier. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, so if you're comfortable um, just sharing, too, a little bit about kind of um, when you were diagnosed and your what your diagnosis was and kind of the treatment or you know anything about that 
period in your life and where you are now with all of that? Well, I was first diagnosed was because my older sister that was about, I think, four, maybe five years older than me, Mm -hmm. um, was going through breast cancer. And she Mm -hmm. she had found out that she had it. And so she looked at me and said, uh, make sure you get checked out. And I, at the time, had a Labrador retriever that kept triggering me in the chest, which was weird. But I automatically listened to my sister. I went and got checked out, and I was found at ground zero, but I did have it. So they did like a lumpectomy, and I did radiation. But my sister was going through the the hard times. They didn't Mm. have, um, like, we have these ports that we put in now, and that's such a relief. My sister didn't have ports back then. Oh, wow. Oh, my gosh. So, So she was going through the dog fight, and it seemed pretty heavy duty. Yeah. But I seemed like I slipped by because I just got a little cut and taken out and radiation, radiation. And then I went back to work and life became normal again, except mm-hmm. she was sli- living behind in another apartment behind me and going through all this heavy-duty stuff. Mm-hmm. And she ended up uh, passing away. My brother ended up passing away, mm-hmm. both from cancer three months apart. Yeah. But um, my sister fought the whole way. She never gave up, never wanted to give up. And uh, so that just kept me going on what I was about to do. I just didn't want to know what was going on. Like I did get cancer again, and I, something brought me to Yale, and mm-hmm. I believe it was God. Yeah. And uh, I met this amazing, amazing doctor, and she just held my hand and told me it was all going to be all right. We can get through this, and uh, we did. And, you mm-hmm. know, Yale takes care of your heart, your your religion, your spirit, and you, and your mind, everything. Yeah. So it's, it was heavy duty, but I got through the breast cancer and my foster sister flew down. And I don't like to call her a foster sister because she's my true sister, Pam. Mm-hmm. And my sister, Karen, yeah. drove up and they stayed with me. So... I recovered with them, but then came to find out I had bladder cancer. Mm-hmm. So I was back in the fight again, but this time I had to do the chemo and lose my hair and go through all that. But mm-hmm. I just found out I didn't have to shave my legs or my <laughs> armpits. So, yeah. you know, you just keep going. You get up every day Look and you just keep side. going, right? You, there, yeah. you have to. You can't go to the dark side. And you have to talk to God a lot. Yeah. And I knew he was always there. I felt his presence. Mm. So uh, the bladder p- cancer came on, and I had what was called an eel bladder put in, mm-hmm. which is the removal of your bladder and putting your small intestines as your new bladder. Mm-hmm. And it has its challenges, but I wouldn't want it any other way. It's amazing science. It's I feel so honored that I got one, and, mm. you know... Th- you have to maneuver them and work them the right way, but they work and they're only getting better and better and better. And that's awesome. The doctors were just amazing, amazing. But all the time I had God. Mm-hmm. So I would say to them, the doctors, when I would go in, I wouldn't want to know what was going down. You know, just tell me where to be, you know, if it was an operation, what time. And I would show up and because I didn't want my to say, you know, that I'm not going to do good. I just didn't want to hear those things because I wasn't going to give it power. I just, you know, stuck with God and whatever he wanted was the way it was going to work. And my prayers were answered. And I had these amazing doctors at Yale that just took care of you the whole time. And, you know, it, it was a terrible experience, but it was made a lot better by Yale's love and understanding and mm. really and God, you know, mm-hmm. you just can't do it without God. Mm-hmm. And he's been there since I was a little kid. I've known of him since I was a little kid. And that's what's kept me safe all my life and yeah. made me make the right decisions. Not all of them were perfect and right. And, you know, I took my knocks, but you just keep going and you try to, you know, you try to do better and, and be better. You know, every day, you know, always a just another day to try to be better than the day before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. God is there. Yeah. 
because I'm here and mm-hmm. I'm here to say he's there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you've had that real intense experience of God. And um, I just so love, too, how you were saying earlier how you go into the operating room, you know, and you say it's just you and me, God, right? Well, yeah. that's where my faith is completely in, you know, yeah. take care of the doctor's hands and yeah. do our best and, you know, it's me and you. Mm-hmm. And I accept whatever because, you know, it's God. He's He's got me this far. I have no fears of what's going to happen because, I mean, I have fears, but yeah, they're just normal. But I know he's there. Yeah. I've felt him too many times for it to be anything else. Right. And, you know, that spirit in you, which is, I feel like people don't understand. It's the one that tells you don't go in there or don't go this way. Go this way. And that's what I've always mm-hmm. listened to because I always felt that was him telling me this is where you need to be. And, yeah, your friends are going to do that, but it's you don't need to do that. You need to be here. Mm-hmm. So I would be there. Yeah. And, you know, I've had friends that growing up in foster care and knowing people that have had hard lives, you know, and been drug addicts. I've known friends that have gone into buildings and shot up and ended their life. Mm. But wow. they didn't have God. Yeah. And and that was the saddest and the hardest part. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's such a blessing to learn about him at a young age because he does so much for you your whole life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's just all the thanks and the praise to the Rogers and the Lord for yeah. giving me the Rogers. Yeah. Yeah, and how they taught you and instilled that faith in you. Oh, and they never made me feel like a foster kid. That's amazing. If, That's if so good. Any kid could get that lucky, you know. You're yeah. you're you're the chosen. You got lucky. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, but my older life got really hard. But they had taught me so much that, mm-hmm. and I had God, so mm-hmm. things worked out for me because I felt like He was still guiding me as much as He could. Yeah, the right way. Right. Don't do that. Right. Like you've said sort of literally that you were in these situations, as I'm sure listeners can imagine, as a young teenager woman in the, um, you know, out trying to find a place to stay. And it was literally like God would you have a sense from God, hey, this one's okay, or this one, don't trust this one. And you have that ability, that discernment that God's given you. The survival. The yeah, survival kicks in. Your survival. Right. I have good survival skills. And Very good. They've grown, Very good. I've grown up with them since I left the Rogers. They gave me God, and I grew the survival skills with God, and mm-hmm. everything worked out as far as, you know, there weren't great days, but there were always other days that were. And, you know, yeah, there were not great foster homes, but there were others that were, and, you know, People that were, I thought, well, you know, like my mother, I thought my mother, my birth mother wanted me for some reason because she never did. And all of a sudden she did and come to find out. And I didn't even know about Social Security. I'd left my father. He had died. And mm-hmm. I went and told her my father had died. And she just said this evil thing about him. And it was just like, wow, mm. like somebody could even say that. Yeah. Kind of blew my mind. So I kind of knew where I was. Yeah. But, um, her true colors kind of thing. Yep. And she had kids from her boyfriend and, uh, gave him my father's last name. So, um, I knew nothing of Social Security. So she took me in to get Social Security and get all her boyfriend's kids on my Social Security. And then she threw me out. But Mm -hmm. I didn't even know they were getting Social Security. I was working and stuff. I didn't understand any of that. Mm hmm. So yeah. and then I was living on the street, so I really didn't know anything. Yeah, and that's something you you really want to make sure people, um, you really want to make sure you get this point across is that a lot of foster kids don't know their rights. Right. And hopefully it's changed and gotten better Absolutely. over the years. But, um, you know, you had no idea that you had Social Security, and that could have really helped you oh, when absolutely. you were trying to start your life and all of that. And um and so it's something that's really important to you to get that word out to make sure foster kids are as informed as possible. 
Yes, I wanted to play basketball in high school, but I had to go, you know, wash dishes and then go to another restaurant, wash dishes. But that was all right. It's still, you know, it was a way to survive. And Mm -hmm. that's what you did. Mm -hmm. You kind of grew up quick. Yeah. Yeah. You were on your own working, going to school at a really young age. And staying out of trouble. That was the main thing. You didn't call the police or anything for anything because they would pick you up and put you in foster care. So you Uh, you just kept yourself out of trouble. Yeah. 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 Somebody was doing something that was possibly going to get you arrested or get you in trouble. I was going the other direction. Yeah. I was running. Yeah. 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 That makes sense. Because that's where God was sending me. Yeah. Right. Right. You had that sense of God and you had that um, presence of right and wrong. Yeah. Yeah. This like savvy wisdom and discernment about where to go and, and survival skills. So, you know, it kind of shifting gears a little bit in the group. You, I've also seen you, and as we talk too, you also have like this incredible sense of humor um, and use humor, I think, a lot too. You know, you got God, survival skills, the discernment, and you also have like an amazing sense of humor. So can you share like a little bit more about that? And Well, we have an amazing group. I mean, we, <laughs> we just do. absolutely have an amazing group. We and cry, we laugh, we these, do all the things. <laughs> these women are just such battlers and fighters and, and warriors of the Lord. And yeah. they just... Uh, they just make you feel good when you get off of a Zoom chat with them. or And, and they're the ones that are in worse shape. And, and they're still smiling and they're still praying and they're still just being these amazing people. Mm-hmm. And my foster sister, I hate saying that word foster sister because she's not. Yeah, your and true sister, you call her. My true sister, usually, Karen. Yeah. yeah. Um, she uh, used to call her friends the church chicks because... They were pretty cool. <laughs> so I find these guys to be the church chicks. And they're just, they've strengthened my spirit and done so much for me going through all this, to, also at Yale. Mm-hmm. And they've become like a little family and they're so important. And, you know, they've also brought a lot of joy to me and understanding. And, you know, it's, it's, like I said, Yale's an amazing place when they can take care of your spirit and your, listen to you about God and, you know, have time to understand that and take the time for you and see mm-hmm. how you are. It's just, you know, I believe it's all God watching over you. God brought me to Yale. God brought me to these amazing people. Like he's mm-hmm. always done. God brought me to these great doctors. God brought me to this great ministry. God brought me to everything. Mm-hmm. And and Mrs. Durr and Mrs. Rogers were the one that made sure I learned it. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah. And, you know, you've mentioned a couple times how grateful you are for Yale. And um, and I know, you know, knowing you over the years that even if you're sick and somewhere else, you still are like, I need to go to Yale. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> you know? And so is there are there certain, like, things that doctors have said or— the way that they've um, been and visits with you that that were particularly helpful, you know, like if there's a doctor that's kind of listening and saying, "Gosh, what? How could I make that same impression?" Are there things that that people did that well, really stand out? My breast surgeon was an older woman, and um, when I got told I got breast cancer, and she was talking to me, I had seen my sister die from it, and mm, yeah, I went into this dark tunnel, and she was cool. She just grabbed my hand and said, "Listen, I know you're in the dark tunnel." Mm-hmm. You're going to come out. It's okay. Mm-hmm. I'm right here. And it was just like a comfort. Mm-hmm. She was just totally, she wasn't a doctor. She was a human mm-hmm. trying to say, listen, I got you. It's scary. Don't worry about it. And then my um, doctor that gave me my neobladder, amazing guy, just mm-hmm. amazing. And mm-hmm. he's not very, um, how would you say, doesn't boast, but I'd be like, whoa, I just gave this girl such a cool neobladder. But he's just <laughs> like such a calm guy, and he just mm. saves so many people, and it is a save. And then you meet these great guys like, uh, you know, 
ed that was in uh, helping yeah, people understand what they were doing. And, you know, when things were going bad, you could call this man and he would yeah. help you out. And then there was <laughs> other... You called him Ed the Goat, right? <laughs> yes, because that's what he was. He yeah. just, he'd take your worst Greatest nightmare and of all time. help you out. Social and, worker. Yeah, he was a great social worker. And, you know, just these amazing people I met at Yale and that. I think yeah. the path that God has always had me to follow is, you know, I read a book that said, um, God knew you before you were born. God mm -hmm. knew your life. God knew you, where you were going to be, what you're going to be like. And I believe that's true. I believe mm -hmm. all that mm -hmm. because I've, I've lived it. Mm -hmm. But yeah. you, you can't live in anger either. It's like um, giving taking a pill and hoping somebody else dies. You, you, yeah. you have to give away that. You have to yeah. give away the hate and just find the good of what you've done. And, you know, it doesn't mean you have to hug these people or be their friends. It's it's okay to just say, um, I loved you, but you pushed me out of the way, so instead I just stepped out of the way. Mm -hmm. and, and that's the way life is, and... God's taught me that, that you can, you can, you can turn the cheek, but if you keep turning it and turning it and turning it and turning it, yeah. you need to spend your life doing something else to help somebody else. Right, right. And, and you can go back to that person or that person can come to you. Like uh, my sister wasn't much of a church goer and she's a year or two older than me and She's going through some problems now, and mm. she said to me, and I've been talking to her about God, and she said to me, Hopi, uh, at this place, I, I went to church, and I said, right on, there you go, you're getting your first start, you know, this is this is where you need to be, mm -hmm. and, and he's grabbing you, and he's pulling you where you need to be, and I said to her, when they have a service at the place you're at, tell me, and I'll come up, and I'll go to service with you, because that's what it's all about all about is getting your loved ones to understand too because mm -hmm. you want them to have the chance to go to heaven and be with the Lord and enjoy all these beautiful riches of life. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, working with Yale and the ministry, it's just that has helped my whole recovery 100%. Mm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So if I didn't have them or couldn't chat with the ladies... It would be really hard. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so there are lots of support groups at Yale. Um, and so reach out to social workers um, or chaplains to just get in touch and learn more about the support groups at Yale. Um, I know a lot of people have also found on Facebook, too, um, support groups and things like that. And it makes such a huge difference to be able to come together. And, you know, the groups that I run, I often just, I just sit back and watch as you guys support each other. And truly, it's it's amazing to see um, how you all support each other and hope, you know, again, how you just always are there to say, hey, you need a ride or, oh, I'll get you, you know. And then people say, well, isn't that an hour out of your, no, 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 no. And here you are, you know, going through treatments and you still, you know, have reached out so much to, to help people and um, to, especially even we had someone who was really in a lot of distress and you really helped her. Um, it's just incredible. It's incredible to see, you know, how, how much you've done for so many people and you really passed her in the world, but you know? But that's God. That's not me. That's God. I'm just yeah. a vessel. God's, yeah. God's here to say, this is what we need. And, you know, hope you have to speak it because there's times yeah. I freeze just like anybody else. You know what I mean? Right. And I have to reboot and, you know, get myself back in check and mm -hmm. get away mm -hmm. from the dark because sometimes you can get to the dark side. It's knowing that you're in the dark and you need to find the light. That's yeah. that's the hardest part. But if you find that, that lets you know that God is there. Yeah. Because he's pulling you into that light. And, and that's how it is. You know, when you go to these operations, you're in the dark. You're just like, okay, I don't want to know anything about this, you know, and I'm putting all my trust in you, God, because that's all I've had my whole life is you. And then you come out and, you know, you meet these amazing doctors and they save your life. And, yeah, you go through some treatments, but, my goodness, everybody's going through something. And 
I have friends say to me, oh, well, if he's a God, why do you have cancer? You're God. Mm. And I'd say to him, why not? Mm -hmm. Why not? Mm. Why am I so special that I I can walk away from it? There's children with it. Mm. You know, why not? Mm-hmm. But you know what? At the end of the day, it's you fight it, you get through it, because God was with me, and my strength came from Him. Mm-hmm. So I just, you know, I feel blessed, and I feel blessed that the Rogers had taught me this at a young age, because I find it probably harder for the older people to try to getting to it and understand it when you've had your whole life with it and your whole life to understand it. Yeah. And I've learned more with this church group than I've ever learned anything. Hmm. You know, just our because. Our little support group. Yes, yeah. our little support group because they're just amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, and they would start laughing at me because I'd be like, no, no, <laughs> don't don't pray for me because you're, you're on oxygen and I'm not oxygen. You know, we pray for her. Let's all put our prayers in her. And they'd start laughing at me going, oh, gosh. Hope thinks that God only takes in one prayer a day, I guess. <laughs> yeah. And wow. they go, we're praying for you. We're not listening to you. And that was cool, you know? Yeah. They yep. were just showing their love and support. And they were saying, like, hope, this is the way it really is. So don't worry about it. We got you. Mm-hmm. Just mm-hmm. like God, you know, God's directed me to these people. God's directed mm-hmm. me to Yale. God's mm-hmm. directed me to this ministry. God's directed me to these doctors. I get into hospitals, and if it's not Yale, I panic. I panic. I panic mm-hmm. that I got there. I panic that I'm not where I'm supposed to be. Mm-hmm. I panic mm-hmm. they don't know my neobladder. You know, when I come to Yale, everybody's like, oh, okay, you got the neobladder. Okay, so we know that, or blah, 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 blah. We know everything. And you're, you're just like, oh, it's such a relief. Yeah. You know, you're yeah. scared anyways, but all of a sudden that fear just drops a lot because mm-hmm. you know where you're at. Yeah. And uh, I just feel that that's one of the greatest things that God's given me is he's given me that route Mm -hmm. to just follow the right places and I do and look where I end up. Yeah. So. To go to the right places and yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. It's amazing. And, you know, you want to give God to everybody, but I don't want to run up there and go, God, 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 come on, you must come, (laughs) come. You know what I mean? I want to, you know, plant a seed and like I did in my sister and, you know. Mm. let that seed grow, and mm-hmm. and that's all it's got to do. You know what I mean? As long as you plant that seed, that's all that matters because I've always thought it was nice if we could just live in the past and not have all this technology and all this future. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> because um, it seems like we've lost our, our balance of where we were going. And, you know, when I was a kid, Sunday, they dressed up everybody, and we all ended up in the church, and that was, you know, I went to school, and all my friends were had gone to church, and, you know, it was just a different life. We went trick-or-treating, and, you know, we just had a blast. You know, we didn't have that much supervision, but the neighborhood we lived in was great, and yeah, I had that life of, of a regular child because of the Rogers and the life of God because of the Rogers. Mm -hmm. So I could never, ever express how much they meant to me. And, you know, that is my mother and my father and my sister is Karen and Pam, and and that's my true family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I have my my, my, uh, blood sister that's very special, Patty. Yeah. And uh, her daughter, Jessica. But everything else is, you know, God's way of showing me where to go and... Right. I'm just blessed, you know, and I just hope others understand that, you know, when all things are bad, you know, turn to God. Mm-hmm. There is an opportunity. It's it's never too late. You know, I was blessed to be taught it at a young age because it's helped me all through my life, and it's given me a sense of caring about somebody other than myself, and that's yeah. amazing, and that's important. And, right. And that takes all the pressure off of you. Because you're not caring about yourself anymore. You're you're caring about others, and that's where you get your rewards from in your feelings. Mm-hmm. That's when you know God is there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a little too much hate in the world right now, and yeah, it's it's so much division. It's sad, right? Mm-hmm. We all have to end up where a place where everything is caring and love, and and worrying about that homeless person, and mm-hmm. trying to understand. 
people and where they're coming from and exactly. all that. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It doesn't matter. Everybody matters. Yeah. You know, everybody matters. It doesn't matter where you're from. Everybody matters. Oh, I'm sure you got your hustlers out there. Of course we do. But, you know, you have to pick and choose who you want to give your money to out on the streets. And, you know, a lot of them you can really actually tell that they really need it and they're not mm -hmm. out there hustling. They're not being jerks. Mm-hmm. And, mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. you know, pick and choose. Yeah. If you see the same guy out there every day, no, he can be at a job every day. If you see that guy running down the road picking up bottles, you know he's for real. He's right. They're he's, trying. He's yeah. trying. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And he's trying to feed a family. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, you know, put your heart to it a little bit and understand. And, and that's God working in you, saying, you know, it's God that leads us to help others and make others' lives important. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And everybody yeah. is important. I don't care how you are. Mm -hmm. I found that the the people with the less are the most loving and caring people in the world. Mm, yeah, you yeah, know. they give the most, and yeah, there's been so many people in your life that have made such an impact on you, and and that you've made such an impact on so many people, and I'm sure even the listeners, um, you know, right now are feeling that sense of hope and encouragement in in what you're saying. So I kind of wanted to ask you, too, about your name. Your name is Hope. Can you tell us a little bit more about kind of what that means for you? Well, at first, I, I knew it was a special name because I never met anybody with it. And um, I never had any clue of the specialness that the name Hope had. And as growing up, you know, I was the only Hope and just really never knew any Hopes. And then coming and talking and going through what I've gone through and, you know, it definitely has a different meaning for me. And, mm. you know, to be able to say, you know, hi, my name is Hope, that's just because that's really how I identify myself is, you know, I'm a child of the Lord and he's given me all this hope and and, and my name is even there written on to say that that's where my life is. Mm -hmm. and, it's, and it's all because of God. Mm -hmm. that I got yeah. this amazing special name. And at first I didn't understand that, but the more of understanding where I'm at, the people I've met, where he's led me, yeah. hope was definitely there. There, And yeah. it was a name that I'm not even sure of that. I asked my mother, my birth mother, mm. why she named me Hope, and she said to me she hoped she wasn't pregnant, mm. which was like, you know, yeah. She was a great slap in the face type yeah. of lady. Yeah. But, you know, you could sit there and sulk and get down on that. And I wasn't going to give her that satisfaction. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you know, I knew where it came from, God, mm -hmm. and his love and what my experiences were. Yeah. And she couldn't break that. And that, that's amazing. That was yeah. hard. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of people could hear that from their mother, their birth mother. She and had, get into a really dark place and sort of start to think, well, what is the point of my name or me? And but you've you've had that you know strong faith that that the Rogers instill in you. You have that survival, and you've you've have that desire to give. And and in all of that, you know, I see too how you you live into this name hope. Like that God had a really different purpose for that name. Your mom might have thought she was she was giving it to you for one reason, but God had such a different purpose. Absolutely. Yeah. And um, that's the best part of it all, you know. Mm -hmm. And the Rogers brought it out. Yeah. So yeah. It, yeah. It, it all, you know, everything's full circle. Yeah. You can take your life. That's the main thing that God gives you. He gives you free will. Mm-hmm. And that free will is to, you know, make your decisions and and do the right thing. And, and, you know, if you do the right thing and you think the right things and you go to church, because sometimes I miss church and I say to myself, boy, I got to get back there because I get there and I, when I was a kid, I would fall asleep in the church and mm -hmm. go to church for an hour was like pulling my nails out. <laughs> yeah. And now going to church... I, I sometimes find myself in there two and a half hours, and it's like, what? Yeah, right. For like 25 minutes, yeah. you know, and yeah, all of a sudden by. 
the meeting is so much more, you know, mm-hmm. and the people I'm meeting are so much more, and the church I'm going to is so much more. Yeah. And it's, you know, everybody's welcome and, and cared about. It's it's just, and, and God's led me to that church, so yeah. Yeah. it's amazing. Nice. You know? Well, Hope, thank you so much for for coming on to our program. Um, Thank you for having me. I wonder if you have any, like, parting words or a prayer you'd like to share. Um, Just if everything's going wrong and life has really got you down, Mm. God is there. You know, reach Mm -hmm. out. Just reach out and get around these amazing people because they're not people that are going to hurt you. There are people that are going to help you. Mm. And I know we all have our anger management problems. I do, you mm. know. And trust, yeah. But, and our trust. But, you know, if you get around these people, they will lighten that load. And mm-hmm. They will take you somewhere and teach you something that will definitely change your life. Yeah. And prayers for everyone. Yeah. And stay safe. Well, thanks so much, Hope. Thanks for having me. This episode of In the Midst of It All was made possible by the generous support of the Yale Cancer Center, Yale New Haven Hospital, the Yale Palliative Care Program, and the Yale New Haven Department of Spiritual Care. Huge gratitude for Rodney Staggers, a man with cerebral palsy who helped birth this idea and has been a huge creative motivator. Thank you to Ellen Hoverkamp, an artist with metastatic lung cancer, who created the artwork for our podcast. You can find her artwork at myneighborsgarden.com. A big shout out to Emily Montemerlo, who, among other things, helps edit the stories you have heard and who just is a lovely support in every way. And Ryan McAvoy, who helps record and edit the podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please hit that subscribe button and tell your friends. It would mean so much to us and to all our podcast guests if you would leave it a review in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We would love to hear how this podcast has helped you. Okay, friends, we will post our next story and interview soon. But in the meantime, check out more stories on the Yale New Haven Hospital Yale Cancer Center website. This is In the Midst of It All with me, Chaplain Jane.